Hughes. Uh, my name is Jewel Burks and I am an Amazonian. I sold my company Part Pig to Amazon two years ago and am just really excited to talk to you all because you all have started a company within Amazon. Um, so let's just start. Can you just introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Robina Broomfield. I am from Chicago, south side of the city, so I always try to wear sneakers to represent uh, where I'm from a little bit. I went to school. I studied finance. I went to Washington University in St. Louis and graduated in three years and then got my MBA, so I've always been very fast-paced, but, you know, just running, sprinting kind of kid. Um, and I joined Amazon at the time I was, after business school, I was working with um, a company in the Midwest, and it was a little too slow for me, so I wanted to get back to something fast and moving. Uh, and then I had an opportunity to join Amazon, which fast is probably the best description of the place in one word. Uh, so yeah, I've been with Amazon now almost seven years, and it's fun, it's cool, it's exactly what I wanted. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Kimberly Hill, and I'm originally from Texas, from Arlington. So I don't know if there are any Cowboy fans in here, but no. I'm from Minnesota. <laughs> 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 we do, we? So I moved up to Seattle about seven years ago, right after undergrad where I studied political science and thought I was gonna go into law school and study social justice, and then life just completely turned its way around. Uh, and I ended up going to business school at Northwest University and I studied, or um, kind of my focus was social entrepreneurship. Uh, I've been in Amazon now for four and a half years, for almost four and a half years, and I'm excited to be here. Thank you, thank you so much. So you two started, essentially started a business together. How did you originally meet? Yeah, <laughs> it's, I think it's a funny, chain of events that probably led to us meeting. Um, we both met through through the Black Employee Network, which is an affinity group at Amazon. Uh, my first introduction to that was a woman running out of the back of a restaurant like, do you work at Amazon? You black? Like, you just join this group. And, um, and so that was kind of my introduction. And then through just joining the board and participating with events, that's how Rowena and I met. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty true. Um, I wanted to hear her version before sharing mine, but yeah, so really the Black and Play Network is how we met, and I became president of that group for Amazon in July of 2016, and um, at that time, I don't know where you guys were, but if you were in the United States, um, there was a lot of racial tension going on and police shootings, and it was an interesting time to say, yeah, let me come lead a group of black people in, in any environment, and, and the corporate environment was a unique one. Um, but during that time, one of the things we really set out to do as the Black Employee Network was become a more outward-facing organization. So in the years before that, you know, we were really there to support one another, and so it was more like um, inward focus, and so we wanted to shift to outward focus. And the primary driver for that was we wanted to do a huge Black History Month of programming. Uh, and it was definitely a very big step and change for the company. And so I presented that to our leadership, and they were on board. And Kim was uh, leading our culture committee at the time, and that, that was kind of the lead committee for Black History Month. So she was leading that planning. I put a lot of you know, skin in the game to say we could deliver. So then her and I worked very closely on really launching our first Black History Month, which was February of 2017. And that was kind of our probably building and working together was through that, so through our community group. Yeah. Awesome. So you go from leading 
So tell us a little bit about how it got started, how the idea originated, all of that. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think in conversations with our leadership and a similar discussion where it was like, okay, you know, we should become a more outward-facing organization, um, the thing came up of there are also a lot of business opportunities for Amazon to really help go above and beyond for black customers and more diverse customers. And, you know, the natural sort of business ideas that come from that, I'm the third of four girls, and I'm the only one who has chemically relaxed hair, so my other three sisters are all natural and have had chops and hair journeys and babies and shedding. Um, and so a lot of times that we're together, it's like, what products are you using? Or from our experience, when you relocate, the first thing is where do you get your hair done or where do you buy X, Y, and Z? Uh, so it was just a very clear, like, this thing is so core to this customer group, we could probably do it a lot better if we thought about a solution. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, to add to that, also just our own experience, like you said, of searching for products and typing in keywords and being like, this is not at all what I was looking for. Um, and I think that propelled us to just be like, well, what can we really, what can we do about it? We do something. Um, and then from there, just leading conversations to leadership and really saying like, you know, as, a, as an affinity group, we bring a lot to the table and a lot to the company. Um, and this is one way how, one example of how, of how we do that. I think to build on that, one of the cool parts of the experience was we were asked to write a white paper about it or a PR FAQ if you're familiar with um, our doc writing culture. And so Kim and I off the side of our desk in the late night hours, we're working on this paper. Um, and the whole time we're doing it, it felt kind of like a, a school project to me where I wanted to get an A on my paper, that's all. Um, so I wanted it to be great, you know, I had a high GPA, I was in the good test scores, you know, I'm a scholar, it's gonna be fantastic. But I don't think either of us thought we were right in our jobs, right? It was like, I just want you to really think this paper is like fire. And I think I would have been pleased yeah. um, just from that. So it was cool that, no, the, the paper actually was really how it came to life. So talk a little bit about the process from the paper to we can all now go on to communities and buy our products for hair and beards, gentlemen, you know. Um, so how, that, how does that process go? Um, so in that meeting, in that discussion, and, and Kim was there, um, a couple leaders of Amazon, so we're reading the doc, and at the end of it, it was like, love it, Rovina, what are you up to? Lead the team, do the thing. And I was just like, uh oh, okay. Um, and so one of the first things we did, um, one, I knew Kim needed to be on the team. She helped write the document, so it was like, all right, Kim. <laughs> but, but what we really tried to do first was think of what's the skill set, like what's the right functions and the right experience and expertise we needed on the team, and then what are the, from a tech or process or back end side, like what are the components that currently exist, the things that will be net new that we need to create, and really try to chart out, okay, this is the work, and this is the mix of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so from there, then it was like, oh, like, this group can do this, because yeah. now the steps exist. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember leading up to, well, actually, as you were building the team, and you and I had a conversation, I was like, I want to do the marketing. I want to lead it. I want to, that's what I want to own. And you're like, okay, 
you got to work hard. And I'm like, yep, I know that my background, I was an account manager before um, going into marketing. And I was like, I'm willing to put in the hours. Let's just make it happen. So absolutely, with, with building the team, it's like, well, what skill sets do we need? And, and who's really going to, how can we, who's going to be pushing and working hard for it? So what's something that's been kind of unexpected about the launch of Textrate Um, I think, can you still hear me? Okay, uh, a little unexpected. The feedback on social media is has been hilarious. I mean, I don't know who's on Twitter or Instagram, but it's almost like if there's an event or something happening, you just get feedback instantly, right? And there's jokes everywhere. Um, so immediately when we launched Textures and Hues, there were people and different outlets were picking it up. Um, and overall, the feedback was just really positive. And there was one person, and I, and I forget like the, Twitter, the, the exact Twitter handle, but for a second we thought it was Kanye West talking about Textures and Hues. Um, just talking about the content that we had, the images that we captured uh, women in all sizes, shapes, colors, different hair te textures. Uh, that, that, was, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, kind of related to social media a little bit. Um, you know, I took all of 2017 off social media as like this personal journey and evolution of like, I don't need this. <laughs> uh, so I, and when I did that, I deleted all of my accounts, which means you can never have those handles again. Um, so I knew Texas and Hughes was launching in February. And so I was like, all right, in January, I'm relaunching my Instagram. So I got a new <laughs> Instagram name and I was like, cool. So I had, you know, about 10 friends on Instagram. And then the day we launched Texas and Hughes, uh, you know, okay, suddenly I'm getting all these Instagram friends. Yeah, I remember but, I became your Instagram friend on that day. And then, <laughs> and then one of my friends was like, you gotta get on Twitter. Somebody's taking credit for this on Twitter. You gotta get on there so I can at you. So the day we launched Texas and Hughes, the day I launched a Twitter account, um, and I had like two followers, so I'm like, they're not gonna think this is really anybody anyway. So it was a very funny experience for me um, to feel like I needed to have something so people could at me. But what I think was cool in that process was like customers wanted to talk to us right away. And it was like, oh, we need to somehow be available for that. And so that, that part was cool. And um, seeing customers like at Jeff Bezos <laughs> uh, was also very funny, but it was like, oh, I need to create a Twitter. So that was like what I went home with that day. It was like a new account. Very interesting. Great takeaway. Uh, it's important to, to be out there yeah. so that you can see the feedback that you're getting and, and all of that. Um, so going back to the origin how did you even know that it was a possibility to come up with an idea and push it internally? Um, is it something where you just knew Amazon valued entrepreneurship or just talk, us, talk to us about that? Yeah, I think um, is that Amazon really brings a culture of thinking big and we have these leadership principles and those, some of those principles include thinking big, having a bias for action, um, really having ownership, which is all when it when you kind of drill down to it, it's really just if you have an idea, you do what you need to do to see to see it through, which includes the working backwards doc that we mentioned. Um, so I think that Amazon already intentionally says like, let's just be very direct and and let's let's let people know it's okay to think big and that that your successes and failures may look in different they may look like different ways, um, but at least just, let's just try. So for me, I think it's. Um, 
just a natural part of how when we come to work, like what's what's your ideas? Let, let's see, let's see what we can make happen. Yeah, I think the word entrepreneurship, I probably heard for the first time about two years ago, maybe. I don't know when you first heard it. So the term is new, but I think the concept is very much ingrained in Amazon. Uh, one, I think through the working backwards process, but in general, we're all owners and the company has a builder culture, whether you're in engineering or, or in a non-tech background, which I'm a non-tech person. And so you have this energy around being an owner and a builder, and then you're surrounded by smart people and people with ideas. And so it's nice that this like white paper process exists so that you can revert any time to that process and start to really put down your idea and see does it have the legs, like does it sustain that that writing process? And if so, like you might be onto something. But it's cool that an individual can do it a group, you know, there's no rules. You just are like, oh, I, I have this idea. Let me try to start writing it out. So we talked a little bit about the working backwards. You both have mentioned it. Can you break it down a little bit more? Because I think we're, we're saying that, and I don't know if everyone's familiar with what that really means at Amazon. So yeah. talk a little bit about the, the writing process and, and how that helps you get ideas forward. Um, yeah, so really technically, uh, the working backwards process, it has like three steps. Uh, the first part is a press release. So you essentially write the headline article you would want to see in the paper when whatever you're working on launches. And that press release should be very tight, like clear and concise. Imagine when you're reading, at this point we read blog articles, so that should be your ideal <laughs> word count, right? Uh, so you're trying to write that press release, you're communicating some really key things about what you're working on. The second piece in the document is the FAQ or frequently asked questions. For me, um, and what we did, and I learned this on another team, but we break our FAQs into two types, customer facing and then stakeholder facing. So you think about the people I need to say yes to this, what questions will they have? Those will be your stakeholders. And then when customers read this, what questions might they have? So answer questions from those two sides. And then the third piece that I think was really cool for Texas and Hughes specifically, but important for everything, is visuals. And so depending on what you're working on, it might be a user flow. But for us, it was like mock-ups of what the storefront would actually look like and how customers would actually shop through it. And in that meeting, when we were reviewing that document, it was like, oh, nothing. Nothing looks like this. Like that was an actual comment uh, from leaders in the company. And so I think having the press release, the FAQs, but from those two vantage points, and then really taking the time on the visuals. And we collaborated with a UX designer at Amazon to create those mock-ups for us. So being willing to phone some friends when necessary. Awesome. So let's talk about the phone some friends part. Or did you have anything to add to that one? I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. Um, I think she explained it perfectly. And I will say one thing, kind of going back to your question earlier of like being an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur within the company, the, the working backwards process really helps make your idea clear and concise. You know, it takes it from this like big idea, big theme to like, what does it actually look like on the day to day? Um, how will customers use it? What questions will they have? So I think it just, it goes parallel with, with it being a very um, entrepreneurial and creative environment. And then the other thing that I just enjoy about working backwards docs 
and of the writing culture is for someone who's like me, who's a bit more introverted and maybe not the loudest person in the room, being able to put that on paper and then have everybody start meetings by reading that doc, um, really like, it, it really makes the playing, playing field level. Um, that way everybody's starting on the same page. You have your voice heard, whether that's verbally and in, in writing. Um, it really just starts everybody off the same, on the same foot. So I was going to ask a question about, you mentioned having to phone a friend to kind of get things going. What are some of the other things you have to do or the other skills you have to employ to get things off the ground? Yeah, so we talk about soft skills a little bit. I mean, the writing piece is important, but uh, you also need to have some conviction around your ideas. So for me, I think a thing that's super important in relation to this project in particular is making it clear that it's not a passion project, but it's a business um, opportunity. And so being able to bring people along in the business case part of it. Um, yes, I happen to be the customer in this scenario, but I've worked on things where I'm not really the customer either. And the strategy is the same. Uh, you need to make sure the business idea is strong and you can clearly articulate that. Uh, but I think what's super important is being so rooted in the customer insight. So in this case, we are like, we know that texture hair customers shop by hair type. Here's how we know. Mm -hmm. um, and so having the customer insight and the data to really support that kind of moves it beyond a passion project and into a business. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree 100%. I mean, um, outside of the writing, definitely being able to influence, um, even if you don't have, not in an authoritative position, um, and being able to really paint the picture of what your idea is and then get buy-in from leaders and your peers, I think was, is super, super important. Awesome. Um, so switching gears a little bit, if you can think back to when you were in college, um, I think we may have a couple college students, perhaps, um, but what advice would you give to yourself, knowing what you know now, to your college age self? Yeah, I... So I went to Texas A&M for undergrad, and I had this, I loved college. It was a blast. Um, still have a bunch of close friends from there, but I feel like on the more practical side, one thing I left college with, with without was like, you know, I need to make sure that I'm just like, I have my suits in order. Something so practical and so simple, but graduating from, as a senior, I was just like unaware. And then going into the real world where you do need to like dress up to part. Um, but then outside of that, I think a lot of self-reflection. And so knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses or areas of improvement, um, really being honest with yourself, especially as you're starting your career. You don't necessarily know everything. You definitely don't know everything. Um, so being able to like, you know, be humble and just reflect on what you don't know and, and what you're open to learning. Yeah, I would, I would tell myself to really define the personal things about me that I want to hold on to. Uh, I mentioned earlier, like, being from Chicago, wearing sneakers. And so even now that I'll wear blazers with my t-shirts, I'm just like, no, I'm not putting heels on, right? Um, <laughs> and so I, I think, you know, I've just decided that's a part of who I am. I'm silly, you know. I come from a big house. We're jokesters, and I'm like, I think I can keep that. So it's trying to identify like what part of my personality um, do I want to make sure I carry forward, but also let mature with me over time. And instead of 
entering an environment and kind of looking up at everyone and feeling like you need to start to reflect what you see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but instead, really saying, no, I'm going to hold on to this. Because I was probably the kid who left business school wearing suits. And I was like, I actually don't like this. But it took me time to realize I didn't like it. Uh, and so it, I think I would tell myself to recognize the things that are so true to me that I don't want to change them. Mm -hmm. um, and just learn how to mature while keeping those things. Like maturity doesn't necessarily mean totally revamping who I am. That's awesome. So carrying on with the personal reflection, <laughs> um, where do you seek inspiration? Um, sometimes it's interesting because lately I've been feeling like Maybe I go directly for in, to Instagram or to a blog or to a book too soon, too early. So I've been trying to practice like before I get on any social platform, before I go look at my favorite websites, at least just spending five minutes just with my own thoughts and just asking myself, how do I feel? Like, what's the inspiration? Just kind of trying to think through, through that first. Um, but outside of that, I, I love reading. And so some of my favorite books are Start With Why, um, Quiet is another one that I, I think this past year really transformed um, me personally. It really helped me to show up to work and, and my best self. Um, I also read a lot of blogs. What's your favorite blog? Uh, oh, <laughs> I know. I, well, now I want to say my favorite podcast too. Um, my favorite blog is The Every Girl. Um, my favorite podcast, just going to add that, is uh, my Lee Teal. Um, and, and I think it's called My Taught You. And she's just very blunt, very direct, and she has a very high bar for excellence, and it just reminds me to stay sharp. Yeah, she's here in Yeah, and she's here. <laughs> what about you? Um, I, I don't read a lot of books. Uh, there's something I'm working on. I'm, I'm trying to you know, correct this blog characteristic. Um, I read a lot of TechCrunch. So I, as I mentioned before, I, I don't have an engineering background, but I love tech industry. And so to me, that's like the best place to really know what's going on really quickly. Um, I talk a lot about what I describe as my happiness equation. So profession is only one area for me. And I also focus on just like mental, spiritual, physical health. And so inspiration is kind of well-rounded for me in that area. Uh, one thing that I read about what like creative people do, so then I started doing it for a little while, uh, was, and what I would maybe tell a younger version of me as well to start doing is write my ideas down, no matter how big or small they are. So I did this thing for one month where I tried to write down five ideas a day. Um, and some of them are really bad. <laughs> I, I did, and it's a note in my phone. We can like chop it up about them. Let me know if any sound good. You know, okay. We can have some side <laughs> meetings. Um, but it was just cool to really push myself to kind of write down creative ideas. So sometimes for inspiration, I just try to think, what could I change about what I experienced today? Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes it comes to my own head a little bit. Well, I'm going to try that. Five ideas a day for a month. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty hard. Including it sounds weekends. hard, but we can do it for a week <laughs> as, a, as a group. Okay. Okay. Like Are that. we including weekends on this? Yes, seven days. I like it. Okay. <laughs> Accountability party right here. Yeah. Um, okay, so congratulations are in order because you two were awarded the Just Do It Award at Amazon. So can you talk about what that award is, who presented it to you, and what it was recognized? 
Um, I will say when we received the award, I didn't hear anything except for, so we got received the award from Jeff Bezos, and all I can wait, say thank you. That's worth a clap right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we have um, like annual meetings, and it's a pretty standard uh, process for employees to be recognized who do, do something outside of their day job or go above and beyond. And so as Ravina mentioned earlier, we were doing this off the side of our desk late at night working on this paper um, that would become Textures and Hughes. And so at one of our all hands, um, Jeff Bezos and his team did nominate or somebody nominated us and we were selected um, to win the award from him. Yeah, so as Kim mentioned, she missed all the details. So <laughs> <laughs> the, the Just Do It Award is for um, innovation and, or customer obsession, bias for action and innovation, right? Um, above and beyond what you're typically called or asked to do in your role. And she's correct, the S team votes on the application that gets submitted. Um, and so it was cool. I think the best part of the story, um, one, Jeff Bezos did say, congratulations, good job. I remember those three words. Um, but uh, you're awarded a sneaker, and so you only get one. And so I have a right foot, and Kim yeah. has a left foot, so we have these size 12 <laughs> sneakers, so we'll kind of be friends forever, I think, because the only way it makes yeah. sense is if she's there. Um, so I have a shoe at home, she has a shoe at home. So. Is, yeah. Does Jeff Bezos wear a size 12? Or? Unclear. I don't know. It does not appear to be worn. It doesn't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that is so awesome. I saw the post. I think I saw your post on LinkedIn or Instagram somewhere, and I, I promise you, I almost shed a tear. I was like, <laughs> so that's so incredible. Awesome. Thank you. Um. So I think this is my last question, and then I'm going to turn it over to the audience for questions. So get the questions ready. Um, but I'm really curious to know what some of the challenges have been as you have started with just an idea, gone through the process of launching a storefront. Um, what have been some of the challenges along the way? Yeah, I think um, from my side, a challenge is really coming, making, having that conviction, right, that believing in this idea and, and also instilling that in others or bringing it out of others um, to have that same type of conviction so that we can really get this thing launched. Um, and that, that may be a little ambiguous, but I, I think there's just like making sure that pulling that inspiration and, and commitment out of other people um, so that we're all on the same page um, is one. And then from the marketing side, um, I think it, it, this is a totally different experience, totally different customers, very different than what we've done done tradi traditionally. And so we're working with a different influencer group and you know, people do want to make sure that this is an authentic experience, that the people behind it are really authentic, really genuine, and really care about it. Um, and so that's one, one challenge on the marketing side that I would, that I would call out. Um, as the team leader, I probably experienced more challenges, so I'm glad that you felt shielded. Um, so a couple of challenges, really. Uh, one is the pace. So Amazon, you know, we mentioned is very fast, but we had a really fast timeline on this. We decided it was pivotal to launch it in Black History Month. Um, and in order to do that, we had to make some trade-off decisions. Uh, one of those was, who would we build this for? What, what do we absolutely need to have? 
at launch. And so um, you'll notice when we launched, if you kind of go back, it was for women. It was 100% uh, women focused. And later um, in June, we ex expanded to include men and kids. But that was a trade-off decision. In order to launch in February, what we could be ready with was women. And so we had to say, who's our must-win customer here? Uh, we feel very confident that, you know, understanding the household structure and, and the passions of the customer, that the woman is the right way to go. So that was um, a decision that made us make some customer trade-offs. And then another one um, along the way was just getting everybody comfortable, a diverse team. So we talk about uh, Texas and Hughes, and yes, both Kim and I are black American women, and so I think that does a disservice to really the team that built this. Uh, we're the only people on that team who grew up in black households, I think, um, out of everyone else. So uh, racially diverse, um, international in, in terms of country of origin, and then also diverse experiences. And so what we had to make sure we did was get folks comfortable saying black women or black customer, um, getting people comfortable talking about textured hair. And, you know, I remember taking my team to my hair appointment to talk to my stylist and just like see what this is. And we went, we went to a local uh, beauty supply store, you know, and I'm like, hey guys, like you see what this feels like. Yeah. Do you, you see what this experience is? And so some of this like very honest immersion is what resulted in customers saying, whoa, like we think a black girl wrote this copy. <laughs> we didn't write the copy, but it, it, it took a lot of that, um, willingness to submerge and really understand the customer. And we talked about Amazon being customer obsessed, but this was very different because um, we had to be very bold about what, what that obsession looked like. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I think those were the two biggest uh, kind of, not really a roadblock, but it was necessary to succeed uh, that we had to kind of push ourselves toward. So I want to open it up to you all. This is a very intimate conversation, so don't be shy. Ask questions. Anybody have questions? Uh, one second. Hear me right. She's going to take her water break now, so I'll go ahead. Um, so what I learned about myself in the process, I, I think um, I really like team. I've been a team athlete, like sports kid, and I played basketball through college. And this was my first time, other than Ben, this was really my first time I leading an actual team. And so I care so much about how the team worked together and how we knew each other. And I just described like me really trying to pull them into the experience. And so I learned uh, for myself in terms of just career that being able to understand and lead tech and non-tech, like manage engineers for the first time and, and care about the community of our group uh, made me feel like, okay, I think I'm on the right path professionally in terms of what I want to do and how I want to lead others. Uh, so I think that was like a positive thing I learned to be like, okay, yeah, this is kind of 
showing me that I'm on the right path. Um, I, I think a challenge that I learned from, which is often like more interesting to share, uh, is I had to figure out how to empower my team to make decisions if I wasn't there. Um, so because it, you know, it's our core idea and I'm leading the team and like I reflect the customer, people will wait and want to know what did I think before doing. Um, and that can slow us down and we're on a tight timeline. So really writing down how we will prioritize as a team and letting other folks like step up and make the decision and me just like relax and see mm -hmm. how they decide. Like I know what I know the answer should be, but having that patience to say no, like their lane, like let me just uh, give them their lane. So that's something I've had to learn. It's like as a leader, um, you don't always have to lead by doing. You need to um, kind of lead by stepping back at sometimes. So that those are probably the two things for me. Yeah. Um, I think for myself, I mentioned it a little bit earlier of knowing how I tend to be a little bit more quiet, uh, but knowing when's the right time and when I really need to turn it up. You know, whether that's in meetings or over emails or whatever, just owning like, okay, we need to make a shift. Let's just handle it and, and let's carry on with the day. Um, so I think for one, if I'm being very introspective, like you said, um, it is acknowledging like, okay, you may be a little more introverted, but that's still a strength and this is why. Um, and, and really getting comfortable with bringing my experience and my truth and my full self to work and not trying to appear as somebody else or do what I think I should be doing, uh, but really getting comfortable in my own skin. Um, I think, uh, it's kind of slipping me, my, my second point, but I definitely think showing up um, and being direct, being honest with myself is one. Um, outside of that, the second thing is, is really asking for what I want. And like I said, I didn't really have a ton of, of marketing experience before this role, but I knew that's what I wanted. And so just straight up asking it, getting over that fear, it's either gonna be a yes or a no, you know, and I'm gonna have to deal with it either way. Um, and, and I've always been a hard worker, so I, I didn't, don't mind like hustling and just learning, going from an empty space to creating something, uh, but really, really asking for what I want and being very specific in my ask. concept of entrepreneurship was what piqued my interest to come today. Uh, for someone like myself who's always worked the past three years in periphery in Atlanta, never been in Seattle, is there a patent office that we go to to submit our white papers? Like, what is that process? You said you spoke to leadership within your org. Um, <clears throat> some of us in non-tech fields have a specific lane, like we do transportation. So I couldn't come with a big idea that had not, nothing to do with transportation. So what is that process like in Seattle? Who were the go-to people that you would submit something to if you did have an idea? Yeah, so you take that idea to where you think it would matter. Uh, yeah. So you, what you want to do is say you gave the example you work in transportation if your idea is in something else. Um, you want to network in that group, find out who that leadership is and say, hey, I have an idea about this. Uh, it's very similar to the coffee chat culture in a sense. Like there actually is no um, procedure. There's an annual um, like think, think, big, think big kind of collection of ideas and submission. But that's a really formulaic process, but it exists all the time. You just 
personally like find out who the right person is we can always chat about really having expertise within the phone tools that's probably the best yeah. way um, so i can try to cut you on that a little bit but really you want to go right to the business team owner or influencer that would be most closely related to what you're working on yeah like like she said earlier um ping a friend yeah. so look your transportation maybe it's in some other department Maybe your friend might know somebody there. You know, just phone tool and chime. <laughs> phone yeah. tool and thinking people. I mean, in our example, she mentioned she was an account manager um, in 3P. I was a global sales lead on Alexa Echo devices, so why would we be working on the Texture Hair Care project? It did, was unrelated to our jobs completely. All right, so. I'm Julius. Kind of to piggyback on that, so you mentioned now and earlier that you guys uh, kind of, Texas and Hughes was basically born on the side of your desk, I think this is the way you put it. How did you manage the expectations of your teammates and your managers that are depending on you to execute on your projects when you have uh, this large undertaking in Texas and Hughes? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think we both had practice by being a part of the Black Employee Network because sometimes that's a lot of extra work and it's and it's on off the side of your desk. And so um, hitting your deliverables, like you have to prioritize. For me, I had to make sure that I didn't miss the mark with my actual day job. So if that meant that I was working on my paper, this paper later, that's fine, but I have to deliver it when, and be present when I'm in the office. Um, and my manager was actually really supportive. I was transparent with him throughout the process. Um, that way, it was a lot easier for us to talk about, and I didn't have to feel like I was, was hiding something. Um, and at the end of it, he was like, did I just help you get your next job? And I was like, yeah, you did. Thanks. <laughs> so transparency and, and prioritization for me is what I had to do. Uh, mine was a little bit different. Um, I was working on it. I didn't mention it to anyone. I, again, I kind of thought I was just getting an A on the paper. So I was like, why would I talk about this paper? Um, and so in that meeting when the discussion was yes move forward like awesome Rovina, you want to lead this team um after that was when i told my manager i had been working on it uh so the conversation was actually pretty fun uh and i feel extremely grateful for the leaders i've had an opportunity to work for in the company but this this guy his particular feedback was Number one, like I understand anybody who meets with you and chats with you after a while is going to love your energy. So if you brought them something that they are also interested in, like I can see that they'll want to move you to it. Um, but what he said was, go do this thing because you won't get another moment like this and you can always come back to this job or any other job. But what he told me, which was like, oh, he's being so positive, like so nice, love this guy, right? His next thing was, you need a hard break. You will not do this 50-50, so let's pick the day that you're off this team and fully on that team. And I was like, well, you know, I need some time to like structure it. So he really pushed me to say, no, if you're gonna do it, do it 100%, no 50-50. So that, that was um, the moment that it became real for me was we put an end date on my current job on the calendar. Um, and so I was like, okay, team structure, job, <laughs> like roles. I have to make this real because I just kind of kicked myself off my team. Um, which was really like the, the inspiration to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. one, one more question? Okay. Okay, 
so uh, thank you all for coming out here to Atlanta. We appreciate you know you all coming to talk to us. Um, so I just ordered my 18-inch Havana crochet twist. Okay. Um, okay. What color? Um, we'll get into that later. But uh, I want you to judge it, but anyway. Um, so I'm just curious, uh, what's on your roadmap? Are you gonna add like different hair um, styles and suggestions and things like that? You know, uh, I had a time trying to decide what length I wanted, things like that. So just curious. Uh, yeah, so I think what's super interesting about Textures and Hughes is we built the shopping experience solution the products were already there. We um, we solved the search and discoverability issue, not a selection issue. So the same way that selection gets added to Amazon from sellers, retail, marketplace, all of that still exists. So we're not personally um, signing brands or adding selection. That's growing organically the same way all of Amazon grows. So I hope that by having this improved experience and customers becoming more aware and more consistent, that then sellers and brands feel, you know, really see Amazon as an awesome business growth opportunity in that space for them. But we don't personally like work on, on that side of, of the experience. Yeah. Ashley sent me the link to the crochet twist that she was buying, and I was shocked that they were sold on Amazon. I was yeah. really delighted to know that. I don't in those color. early tweets that we talked about, uh, they're often like, Amazon sells my bundles now? Like, <laughs> oh no. And we're like, we've been selling your bundles, but now we show yeah. them to you. So that, that part was kind of cool because we're like, oh, this really was a customer problem and we really have begun to address it. One more. Um, so I know when you completed the doc, Know, and they said go. Um, it was just pretty much you, you two. So, did you already have an idea of you know how many resources you would need to really turn this into action? Uh, were these people assigned to you, or did you have to go find them? What? How did you create this team to even do all of this? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think in the document, and you might have to jog my memory a little bit. We started talking with. Um, SDM, so software development managers, to understand um, how many hours and things it would take to build something like that. We, uh, I had a retail background with Amazon, so I knew the how retail teams were structured and what types of functions were necessary there. So we made an educated guess around what was necessary, but that was going into the meeting. But then after the meeting, which I think is kind of your question, um, that's when it became like a, a little bit of me really trying to get deeper into those assumptions that were built into that. And no one was assigned. I had to hire people. And that's maybe where some soft skills come in. I got better at my cell, by the way, so you can talk about that. Um, but I had that white paper to hire people. I'm like, hey. Do you want to work on this? You know, I, I couldn't point to anything. I couldn't even tell you where we would sit. Um, but do you want to work on this thing? And um, you know, I'll try to tell you why it matters. So Kim was the easiest sell, but <laughs> everyone else was uh, responding to me and a document. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was really how it went. And I mean, we had a standard hiring loop, um, a normal Amazon hiring like practices or interview processes, but. Um, we just didn't have any tangible thing to point to, so that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, it was fun. I mean, a couple of the people I ended up having coffee chats with, they're like, is this, so is this really, is this real? Is this really gonna happen? Um, I'm like, yes, it's real. Everything she said is accurate. Uh, but definitely didn't have anybody appointed and just out there networking and, and seeing who really wants to, wants to be a part of it. One more? Congratulations to you guys on your honors. Thank you again for coming and sharing with us. I am really interested in knowing um, about the effect that your enthusiasm for what you were doing, how it has trickled down. You know, has there been an effect on the team? And is it a sustained effect? Or do you find yourself having to work yourself up or work, you know, everybody else up to continue? Yeah. I think, um, one, one way to answer that is earlier I was speaking about like conviction, right? And, and looking for people and bringing that out of others. Um, but I, I feel like the team that you that you hired, the team that we were working with was already, we were 100% in. And we were 100% in ourselves and also in getting bringing people on board with us. Um, so that helped tremendously just to build the team with the right intentions, with the right motives and making sure that everybody had a clear understanding. There were several meetings where we just like clarified things over and over and we went over our marketing tenants and we all had to be on the same page. Um, but I, I, I do think that the enthusiasm, we, we on the team there were people who were enthusiastic and then it did spread and it was a contagious, at least from my experience with it, yeah. Yeah, I agree, I, I think um, you talk about kind of how does that energy sustain? Um, I am what I, I would describe myself off, often as one of like Newton's laws of motion, right? If I'm in motion, I'm fully in motion or I'm a complete object at rest. Uh, so my friends have seen me in both states, but me at work is just kind of high energy uh, most of the time. And so I think making sure that people feel like what you're working on is fun is really what helps keep that energy because it's always hard. And I think the, the hard piece mixed with fun keeps you there. Um, and so I, I try to make sure that with enthusiasm comes like, hey, here's why we're doing this. And folks can jump on board with that. I think over time, um, what I've seen happen with this business and with our team, and which I think is consistent um, everywhere, is we want to learn how to scale, how to do more faster, how to get better. So there's this constant balance between, oh, we built this awesome thing, like let's keep pushing it, and how do we scale, how do we optimize? <laughs> um, and so wrestling with that, um, you have to keep your energy up because the challenge continues. I think one of the biggest surprises for me is I thought launch we would be done, and that was like when we started in, in public. Yeah. Right? It was like, wait, no, this is actually a new starting line, and now people are watching us race, where before we were racing with the lights <laughs> off. Um, and so it was a very different experience uh, for me than what I expected. So it's like trying to balance, you know, people now being aware of what you're working on, and you're still trying to optimize it. Awesome. Well, I just want to give a big thank you again to Romina and Tim for traveling from Seattle. I think we have, I see some chicken tenders, chicken nuggets over there, CT, so 
please feel free to stick around for some more networking. Oh, you got one more. Mine is better than mine. <laughs> mine is better. I don't know. I don't know. I can't find too many places. And I like to take one too. Yeah, it's fun.